0: This morning, I'll be reading from Luke chapter 10. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer Do this, and you will live. But wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and took off, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan was traveling, while traveling, came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, treating them with oil and wine. He put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend." Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. At this time, we invite you to observe a brief moment of listening and reflection.
1: Good morning, church. Channeling my inner stormant. Wearing a costume and have a prop or two. Actually, it's so that I can be recognized later. There'll be some photos and video that we'll show. And and I want to make sure that you know who's me in that
0: and who's not me
1: in that. First, uh, let's play a game. No, I'm not going to pull it out. I heard somebody say, yes. <laughs> Let's play a game. All right. Uh, it's a word association game. Very simple. I'm going to say a word and I want you, I want you to get used to just calling back. Okay. To actually using your voice to shout back at me. Okay. Uh, my family's real used to that. Uh, I'll say a word I want you to say. The first word that comes to your mind. Don't be cute, don't be creative, not trying to be original, trying to access that first thought that pops into your head, okay? And just call out. You need to hear your voice. It'll be a whole lot of voices in this room. First word, let's try it. Bacon. That's what I thought. There were some different ones, but mostly I heard eggs. Let's let's keep going. Cowboys. Batman. You can do this with a lot of different categories. You can do it with pop culture, you can do it with movies, you can do it with music, you can do it with travel. You can do it with Bible stories, okay? With Bible. Let me try a few of those. Adam. Eve. Mary. Oh, Ooh, good. David. Wyatt. Yeah, of course. Apostle. Paul. Samaritan. Samaritan. Now, I heard some different ones, but mostly what I heard was good. Samaritan good. Well that's handy because that's the story we're talking about today, the parable we're talking about today in our series about the Good Samaritan. Everybody has benefited from Good Samaritans. I benefit from Good Samaritans more times than I can count in more ways than I can number. I have benefited from Good Samaritans most recently about four weeks ago on a family trip, well a trip that Stephanie now took to Colorado uh, to visit some friends. We have some dear lifelong friends, uh, Brian and Cherise Craft from Tyler. Uh, he's a lawyer and so he can work remotely pretty much from anywhere. They decided to rent a house in Estes Park for about two months of the summer and they invited us up for a week. Um, and we said, well, yeah. Um, so, so we went and stayed with them for about a week. We love Estes Park. Uh, Stephanie and, uh, and me and our family have gone with two other families for about the last 30 years for vacations in Estes Park, Rocky Mountain National Park. Uh, so we were really happy to be there. A good bit cooler there as well, as you can imagine. Um, we wanted to take a little hike and kind of shake out our flatlander legs and lungs, see what we could do. and. Uh, so we, we planned a hike. Uh, Brian and Charisse planned a hike for us from Bear Lake down to Sprague Lake. It's about three and a half miles. It's all downhill. Uh, you go up to Bear Lake and uh, get out uh, at the parking lot, Ranger Station, shuttle bus stop, uh, and from there several trails diverge, and we went on down towards Sprague Lake. But we met an obstacle. Um, As we were going about a half mile down the trail, there was an elk down in uh, the—she was down off the trail a little bit. I say she, I'm assuming this is a cow, all right? It's a female elk. She uh, was down off the trail a bit, uh, just grazing in the grass. And when we went to pass her, she did this. She gave us this little head fake. So we backed up the trail and waited. There were another group, other groups of people uh, waiting to, to pass as well, and she went back to grazing. So pretty soon, waited a minute, but pretty soon, I kind of edged down to see if she would give us that again. And uh, sure enough, as I got a little bit closer, she did. The elk had calved recently, and I think probably that she had a calf somewhere out in the woods that she was trying to protect, and she didn't like us coming by. So she gave me another head fake, and I turned around and started walking back up the trail, and then I heard Cherise say, She's coming! And I turned around, and she was galloping up the trail toward me. So I turned around, we all turned around, we scattered. Stephanie went behind a tree, Brian climbed the hill. I thought, well, I'll go down. Cherise grabbed her phone to video. Um, (laughs) I thought, well, I'll just kind of get off of the trail and let her go by. so I stepped off the trail and tripped, fell face first, rolled over on my back, looking up. She was about from me to Terry Cagle, uh, giving it this. And, uh, I noticed, well, I noticed a little blood on the dead tree that was laying beside me. That, well, what, I think apparently that's me. And so I didn't want to lunge forward at that. Elk and make kind of a threatening move, so I just sort of crabbed backwards until I could get up to my feet and walked up the trail. We have a little video of that portion.
0: Oh my gosh, David! And we need to go back to the ranger. I do
1: too. Oh gosh, here. Yeah. Oh gosh, David, oh gosh, David, because I had apparently snagged my arm on a a little twig that was sticking out of that dead tree, and I'd I'd kind of pretty much punctured the skin. I was, you know, laid it open, you could just kind of see the meat, what little meat I've got, and and was bleeding pretty good. And uh, so Cherise, well, we need to go back up to the ranger station, get some help. She started up that way. Brian had already, I mean, he took off, he was going to get help and as we took a few steps up the trail, I heard a voice um, with a, 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 a Spanish accent, saying, I have a first aid kit. And turned around, there was this very nice couple. Very nice couple. Turns out they were from Mexico. Uh, she had a first aid kit, and so we started bandaging the wound, you know. Had tried to kind of get the bleeding, stop bandaging the wound, and uh, I said, well, I didn't get their names, but I said, where are you from? They said, Chicago. <laughs> well, Mejoica. They were from Mejoica State, way down in the West Central Mexico. Very, very nice people. Super nice people. Um, how, como se dice, uh, wrap it tighter. Um, we, we got her done, and then I went on up to the... Uh, uh, Ranger Station to get a little bit more help, see if I, I needed to go down and get stitches, turned out that I did. I, I'll tell you, um, those nice people with the uh, first aid kit, uh, I'll never forget them, even though I didn't get their names. And from mihoi anytime I hear the word mihoi I'm going to think, ooh, nice people. Nice people. I know some good people from Mihoi-Con. Uh, I have a soft spot in my heart. Never been there for Mohoicon, Mexico. Um, used some uh, monkey blood, you know, to uh, cure chrome. They don't make that stuff even anymore. That was kind of how old the first aid kit was. But went back. <laughs> it's got mercury in it. <laughs> uh, went back up. It had to go back into Estes Park, and sure enough, had to had to get about six stitches. Uh, I live on the benefit of Good Samaritans. These people, they didn't know me from Adam and they, they offered themselves because they saw that I needed some help. I was hurt. Um, helpful, caring people just really remind, I mean, it's, that reminds you of the Good Samaritan. I mean, it's a, a living example of the story of the Good Samaritan. Everybody knows the story of the Good Samaritan. Everybody's familiar with this story. It's one of the Jesus' most well-known, probably his most well-known parable, most often referenced parable. I mean, it's in our culture. The Good Samaritan has its own recreational vehicle affiliated um, club, the Good Sam Club. Uh, Good Samaritans, you know it like the back of your hand. You know it inside out. You know it right side up, upside down. You need to know it forward and backward. You know this story. I'll prove it. We're going to take it backward today. We're going to go through the parable backwards. Not literally word for word backward, that'd be silly. Likewise do and thou go. (laughs) Sounds like Yoda. But we'll take it every little paragraph backward, every couple of verses backward. So let's begin with the ending, last couple of verses of Luke chapter 10. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said. The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. At the end of the story, Jesus doesn't give an answer. He asks a question. Classic rabbinical tradition. Classic rabbinical style. That's how the rabbis taught. They taught with questions. Because they were much less interested. Rabbis generally, Jesus in particular much less interested in giving answers, in imparting information, and much more interested in leading discovery, in inviting uh, their disciples on a journey. You tell me. Now this question wasn't hard to answer. Not hard to answer. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell among, in the hands of robbers, but it's tough to admit. In fact, the lawyer didn't even say Samaritan. He said it was the one who showed him mercy. Had to admit it, though. The proof was right there. The proof was right there. Neighbors prove it. Let me say that again. Neighbors prove it. Mercy, compassion, service observed, you know that neighbor is going on. Love is shown in action, not in the abstract. There's a singer-songwriter named Chris Smither who has a song called What They Say. The last couple of lines are pertinent. The last couple of lines of this song, friends in need are friends indeed, but the friends who think of what we need They hardly talk at all. They just do it. They hardly talk at all. They just do it. Okay, you got to talk back to me again here. So how did this neighbor prove it? How did he show mercy? What did he do? Well, he helped. Yeah, he helped. I mean, and it's enumerated the ways he helped. How did he do it? Bandaged him. He went to him. He put him on his own animal. Um, he poured oil and wine on them. I, we poured monkey blood, but hey, it counted for oil and wine. Um, he proved it. The Samaritan showed mercy in enumerated ways. Why did it have to be a Samaritan? Did, did I just create a new word right there? Samaritan? I, Why did it have to be a Samaritan? Why a Samaritan? Most of you know that there's all kinds of deep-seated hatred and animosity between Jews and Samaritans. I went back hundreds of years, hundreds of years to the divided kingdom of Israel and Judah. And when Assyria came and took the northern uh, uh, kingdom of Israel away from Samaria, and they sort of left some people there who intermarried with foreigners and then later on in their history they uh, built a rival temple to the temple in Jerusalem, a a temple on Mount Gerizim. They only recognized like the first five books of the law. They didn't recognize the prophets or the writings uh, and they even thought that the Jews had sort of a corrupted set of scriptures and the Jews thought that the Samaritans were much lower than any form of life on the planet. They didn't get along. Um, racial, ethnic, religious, cultural prejudice. But in this part of the story, look at all the delicious detail that Jesus gives. He put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. Next day, took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll repay you whatever more you spend. Two denarii, takes out two denarii. denarii was a day's wage for most workers in in the day six out, two days wages. So here's one for today. Here's one for tomorrow. And then when I return, when I return on the third day, when I return on the third day, does that sound familiar? When I return on the third day, I'll make it good. Jesus gives direct quote of the Samaritan's instructions, and Jesus seems to relish telling this parable. I mean, really, actually, this parable he probably enacted. I mean, this is not a story that he, get, he gets a, a podium and a soapbox and launches into the lawyer, into whatever onlookers and eavesdroppers are there. He probably enacts the stories close. He's face to face with this person who's asked this question. And he's probably enacting this whole story. He just loves this story. And the impact of it is, anybody can be your neighbor. Samaritan, if Samaritan, anybody can be your neighbor. The most unlikely, the most unexpected, the most unwanted even, can show you mercy. Not just everyone is my neighbor. That's what you'd expect Jesus to say in this story. In fact, we could have cut to the chase a lot quicker, really, with the lawyer's initial question. We'll get to that. With the lawyer's initial question, if Jesus said, well, of course, everyone is your neighbor. Instead, he goes through this deliciously detailed story to say, hey, anybody can be your neighbor. This might kind of break your brain a little bit does mine. Every once in a while I think oh I've got it and then it slips away. It's like trying to catch soap bubbles. Anybody can be your neighbor. Anyone can show up and show you mercy. Anybody can and if anybody can perhaps you should give everybody a chance. Well then the Good Samaritan had to go home to Mrs. Good and explain why uh, his pockets were light and he was so late and what's this blood on the donkey? So what makes this Samaritan so different? What makes this Samaritan so different from the other people who may be traveling on the road? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped and beat him, went away leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road and when he saw him passed by on the other side and so likewise a Levite when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side this is real world stuff okay this is a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho 18 miles on foot a 3,000 foot elevation drop from Jerusalem, which sits up high on a plateau down to below Dead Sea level, or below sea level, close to the Dead Sea, bit through barren desert wasteland. I mean, not a scrap of greenery anywhere. Dangerous, infamous, known to host robbers and thieves and bandits and highwaymen uh, you know, and whatnot. A priest passed by, a Levite passed by. And anybody half-conscious or with half a conscience, whether it's the lawyer who Jesus is telling this story to or whether it's those disciples and other hearers who are gathered around and hearing it, uh, doing good eavesdropping, or whether it's you and me, anybody with half a conscience, anybody with half-conscious would realize that the ones you'd expect to be neighbors were not neighbors. Now, there are a lot that's been said and a lot can be said about their excuses, you know, uh, dangerous road, this could be a trap, the people who did this might still be lurking around. Priest, Levi, we have these duties, we've got to keep uh, our ritual cleanliness Uh, Intact, And if we touch a dead body, it sure looks dead. Uh, We won't be able to perform our priestly and Levitical duties. Doesn't matter. The ones anybody would expect to be neighbors weren't neighbors. And really, to me, this is sounding less and less like a parable. Less and less like a imagine, if you will, or... Listen, listen, what if I told you, and this is sounding like um, true story. That when the lawyer comes to ask a question, who is my neighbor? It could be, just maybe, Jesus says, true story. Or even maybe, even maybe, I'll go on a limb here, but even Maybe. Remember when? Remember that time you went from Jerusalem to Jericho? Because this happens all the time. Why would Jesus launch into this? Who is my neighbor? Seems like a legitimate question. A question for the rabbi in response to his question, in response to the original question. Two can play at this game. Who is my neighbor? Who is my friend? To whom exactly? Exactly. Define it. Let's be clear. To whom do I owe this obligation and responsibility to love as neighbor? Wanted to justify himself. That could be just he wanted to save face in front of the crowd, or it may be he wanted to justify himself which is God's job? Which is Jesus' job? Jesus asked the man after the initial question. You "Know what's the greatest commandment in the law? What must I do to inherit eternal life? The greatest commandment in the law is the other two gospel questions. This gospel question in, in Luke, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Inherit eternal life. Now, that's more that we kind of read that. As, what must I do to go to heaven? That's, a whole, that's, that, that's good. It's a whole lot more than that. What must I do to have God's life in me now and forever? To have God's life in me. Well, how do you read? What do you say? Uh, Love the Lord your God. It's the Shema. They say it, They said it every day, a couple of times a day. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And from Leviticus... love your neighbor as yourself. The lawyer stood up to test Jesus, but who gets examined? Love your neighbor as yourself. And this might be a little bit different way also to read love your neighbor as yourself than the way we're used to. We're used to reading that, and I always read it as love your neighbor like you would love yourself. In other words, you you need to learn to love yourself. You know, so positive self esteem, positive posture, uh, self regard, and also, well, I don't really love myself, so I can't love my neighbor, so I can't love myself, so I can't love my neighbor, so I can't love myself, so I can't love It sticks us in this negative feedback loop. There may be another way to read this. Maybe, can't be dogmatic about this. Love your neighbor. As you yourself are loved. Who loves you? Who loves you perfectly? Who do we just talk about? Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And of course, God loves us unreservedly. Without hesitation. We say unconditionally. Love your neighbor as God loves you. I don't know, maybe. Maybe another way to read it. Well, we have not yet reached the beginning of the story. You thought, oh, it just started just then, the lawyer stood up. It goes back a few pages. It goes back a couple of uh, chapters, or one chapter at least. It goes back to... Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 56. This is where the parable of the good Samaritan has its beginning. Let me read it for you. When the days drew near for him to be taken... This is still going backwards, by the way. This is some time before. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. And on their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans, to make ready for him. But they did not receive him. They did not receive him, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Michael, team. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Set his face set to Jerusalem. He knows what's going to transpire there. He is determined. He's going through Samaria, which is kind of unheard of. I mean, you don't do this, but Jesus is unheard of. That's what he does. And he sends people out in front of him to to go prepare, what, uh, you know, hospitality for him. If they find no hospitality. No Samaritan's going to give any Jews any hospitality. And so James and John, okay, let's make crispy critters out of these folks. And Jesus said, no, nope, no. Nope. No, no. We'll deal with this later. We'll deal with this later. And he does. He comes back to this story when it's time with the opportunity. Remember when I said Samaritan and you said good? Good? For hundreds of years, Samaritans, Jews, deep-seated hostility, inmate, enemies. And with one story, Jesus turns that all around. Backwards, upside down. And now when we think of Samaritan, what do we think? Good. We ought to be like them. Anybody, can be your neighbor. So maybe you should give everybody a chance. Let's worship.